0: Hello Voices, my name is Joe Troy and I'm a multi-award winning voiceover and host of A voiceovers Audio Adventure Podcast, it's a bi-weekly show where I learn about the voiceover and audio industry and share with you all the stories, tips and tricks along the way. The animation industry in the West consists of a vast array of talented people telling amazing stories from all over the world. But what is happening in other countries of the world that may not get the same attention due to resources and opportunity? What do you do if you are from a country where the animation industry may not be as big or the infrastructure is non-existent? the usual way would be to go abroad and to gain knowledge and skills and in turn work for a major studio abroad. But there are some people out there who are determined to create industry at home. Today, I'll be speaking with Hamid Ibrahim of Kogali Media, one of these people who have created a lane for themselves and not look back. So much so, they've managed to get Disney's attention. Today's adventure will be focusing on the animation industry in Africa.
1: My name is Hamid Ibrahim. I'm one of the co-founders of Kugali Media, which is an African storytelling company. We focus on telling stories that kind of explore the past, present and future of Africa. And we don't try to limit ourselves to. And we use different mediums. We started off with comic books. And then we moved to augmented reality. And then now we are diving into the animation world for the last couple of years as well. Uh, So that's Kugali-wise, myself personally, experience-wise, I started off as a portrait artist. That's before uni. Uh, I'm going to start including that in there since I made a bit of money, not much, but a little bit. Then from there, I worked in advertising for animation, so animation in advertising. So it was called electric theater. Then I worked in the Hollywood scene for a bit as a visual effects artist. Worked there for about a year, worked on five different movies. The only one I tend to talk about is Lion King since the original Lion King inspired me to start the journey and it was kind of an honor to work on the remake of it. So that's me in a nutshell.
0: Nice. So where did the love for all of the, the art side come from? Like, um, where did it start? And how did you fall in love with comic books, essentially? Because that's where you started, you said. So yeah, mm-hmm. how, how did that all come to fruition? Uh,
1: on my end, it was kind of two different areas. So in terms of the love for art, is slightly different than the love for animation or even the comic books. I'm not as big of a comic book geek as my other two co-founders. They are way deeper into the world. My <laughs> girlfriend is a bigger comic book geek yeah. than I am even. I'm just going to be completely honest. Okay. She calls me a fake geek. Uh, so she keeps poking me with that. <laughs> but originally, I said of my first inspiration was Leonardo da Vinci. And that was in art itself, right? And I think what happened was it was an advert that was playing in TV. I was in Kenya at this time. And I saw it's an advert showed Mona Lisa, much more than just art. It was a water bottle advert. I don't know what water bottle it was, but they included that in there. And looking at that, I went through it. And it was a thing of like, the image struck me. And I went to research who made the image. And I found Da Vinci. And then if you know anything about Da Vinci, his life is very fascinating. And from that point, he became an idol, kind of an idol for me. So I always wanted to kind of mix science and art and everything like that. Just just be like him in a way. So that was like my first yeah. love for art was through Da Vinci and through the Mona Lisa. That's the first thing that kind of drove me there. And then love for animation separately kind of came in from watching Lion King, the original Lion King. And that one, it was mainly because I speak Swahili because I grew up, I spent 10 years in Kenya when I was growing up. So from one year old to nine years old, so technically eight years in Kenya. Uh, from around that time period there, I was in Kenya. So I speak Swahili and it kind of caught me by surprise that there was cartoons speaking Swahili when they went Hakuna Matata and even in the beginning. And, and I thought, I remember the first time I thought I was dreaming. <laughs> and I kind of liked it from that point and became my favorite animation. And then luckily when I was older, I watched it again and it was actually better than I thought because I was scared to watch it because I thought it would be trash. I thought yeah. I just liked it because of the singing and all that. But, <laughs> so that's the journey of me liking animation. Comic books specifically, I kind of fell into that world where because if you know anybody in this country in the west who works in visual effects most of them love comic books now i came from a slightly different yeah. angle which my angle was more from the design angle so it's more i'm more in love with the kind of theory of design and things like that so i love that a lot more even the animation and in anything i do in that area it usually kind of ties down to kind of the science inside it as well i have the deep love of that so i was never yeah. like a huge comic book fan i, I read the kind of like the ones everybody should read, right? Like Batman, the killing joke, you know, like those ones where it's like, if you want to read, you have to read this before yeah. I read those ones. And then starting Kugali, my other two co-founders were bigger into comic books, but the reason we started off offer comic books, it's, it's the easiest barrier to entry. So with just a pencil and a paper, you can make a very high quality comic book. But if you're trying to make a high quality animation with just a pencil and paper, that becomes a very tricky journey. And if you're looking at yeah. thinking about Africa itself and telling African stories, if the way you can produce high-quality work, which was one of the big goals I had, is comic books. And that was one of the only limited ways we can actually do visual art in a high quality. So we said to do the focus in that area there. And then it also helps that. Toluan Ziki, huge comic book geek. So I, I got more into comics from that. So Kugali actually made me read more comics than before. So before Kugali, maybe I read maybe 10 comics, right? Maximum 15 yeah. comics, if I'm thinking about it. There was a Super Striker series. Yeah. Okay, that's a lie. The Super series in Africa I used to read every single Sunday, but that was the only one which I read consistently. Outside that, all of them would read like one or two issues of something around.
0: So when you were introducing yourself, you've got a long, your resume is quite long, even before, I don't know if this was before or during Kigali, but how did you get into these rooms, you know, working on different projects? And, you know, just getting your foot through the door. How how did you get to that stage and how did you find it? It's one of it?
1: the things where, you know, the sur- survivorship bias where because you made it through the ship, you think it's going to be straightforward for everybody else. In the beginning part of my yeah. career, it's very hard for me to give advice since it's it's not getting to the room was a tricky bit, was making the collection of the skills and everything I acquired is a trickier bit and the route I went through. Yes. So I'll give you the example, right? So when I came in this country, because I, I came like all of a sudden, right? So I came as a child visa and we realized that if I turned 18 in Uganda before I came here, that child visa is no longer relevant. So I got pulled yes. out of school in the middle of, it's called all uh, levels. That's the equivalent of GCSEs in this country. So I did not get to yes. do that. So I, yeah. got, I got pulled out like at like about three months before doing that. Like, just it was impromptu. So, and I got like a two week notice, I'm moving country for the rest of my life, kind of thing. So, it was that I jumped from there to this. And when I came to this country, I remember knowing it's that I knew that I was starting from behind in a way. Right. So, I went to college and I did a course there. I also did functional skills. So, I didn't have GCSEs, I uh, have functional skills, which no big uni respects really. Right. So, it's that thing of knowing that in my head kind of lit a bit of a fire inside me. That combined with the fact that it was now, because when I was in Uganda, I didn't really imagine it was possible to actually make animation. So, and I don't know, in my head, it didn't seem like people make it. It just seemed like stuff, stuff that just appears on your screen. Yeah. Like it was never like a reality. And when I came here and I saw the course and actually managed to get into the course in college, based off my portfolio purely, right? Mm-hmm. When I saw that, it kind of made, you kind of realize that it's possible. Like that first step, being, like, people make this. And now there's actually, even if it's not a clear road, there's a little bit of a light. You're like, okay, if I'm the best here and I'm the best in uni, I'm sure I'll get something. So that was my whole like plan. Was like I have to beat everybody in everything, right? So in college, I might try to get a distinction mm-hmm. in every single project we did. Like three it was about two years or two years and a half about. I got a distinction in every single project. I don't care if I liked it, if I hated it. I was just like, nobody's gonna be able to argue with my numbers. That was the whole goal. And my portfolio, I reached out to people yeah. in uni before I went to uni. I reached out to people in uni. And I was just looking at the people who are there, their portfolio and everything. And I, my goal was, I'm going to make sure my portfolio is better than their portfolios. Even if they're already in the uni, I'm, I'm going to be better, right? That was the thought. And it was that yeah. like scary, the first moment, scary moment, quote unquote, right? Because you have the theory in your head, but you have not executed it, was when I applied mm. to the unis, and obviously I'm using fashion skills and I'm applying to the best unis for animation and thingy, right? And it's that thing on my head of like, ah. Oh, but if nobody, none of them just look at the functions can they just ignore me. And everybody accepted me. Everybody was like, hey, come through. Right. And that was the first time where I kind of had a belief came inside me where people start breaking rules if you're really, really good. Right. Because remember, I came here from Uganda yeah. and obviously the only people I knew here were my mom's friends. So I didn't have, I didn't even have friends my own age. Right. And my mom is in, uh, right now she's in nursing, but I said, at that time she was in care. She was doing care work. Right. And that's a very limited industry. Like there's no upward mobility whatsoever. Like you're doing what you're doing there. That's a, that's a job yeah. from beginning to end, in other words, right? So it was kind of like that environment. But going through this and them seeing the unis breaking rules for me. So I'm not going to mention the unis. I know because I found out this was illegal. One of the <laughs> unis took me out for dinner. They wanted <laughs> to hug, right? And I was like, yo, this is me. I, I, I don't even have like, quote unquote, the actual qualifications. I really don't have all of them. I guess I have really good grades on what I could do. And my portfolio is just really strong. Like that was the whole thing, right? And that belief kind of led me to kind of keep trying to be so good that people will break rules for me. That was the whole philosophy, even through uni. Yeah. In uni, I played an an even bigger risk where I knew I could get a first degree. But I was like, nobody I've spoken to in the industry has ever mentioned to me about their degree. Like no one. So I played that gamble. I was like, you know what? For the dissertation bit, I'm just going to pass it. As long as I pass it, I'm good. But on this thing here, which is going to add to my portfolio, I'm going to make sure it's going to be like absolutely insanely amazing. And I got the highest score for yeah. that for in the last, I don't know how many years I got the highest score for that, right? So it kind of bore fruit there. And it paid off still. It's one of those things where they came, they looked at the portfolio, which they did. Nobody asked me. Nobody asked me for my degree. Like ever. I don't even don't know where it is. I found it recently because I was looking for my naturalization certificate. Uh, cause I'm planning to do some stuff. Like yeah. my girlfriend applied for a government job, so I had to check my naturalization. That's when I found the degree. I didn't I didn't even know where it was. <laughs> Nobody's ever asked for it. Yeah. So, like, it's a portfolio for our field. And kind of had a I had a really strong portfolio. And when I was applying, I only applied for one job. That was the one that was working the NPC, the working on the Lion King remake. And I remember I did. I was looking at people in masters and people in masters at that time. Some of them were struggling with muscle simulation. Now, I know for sure MPC making the realistic animals, they do muscles and so on, because I saw jungle books kind of playthrough. And I went, I'm going to learn to do muscle simulation. And everybody was like, yo, everybody who tried this flopped. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to get it. And I got it. And it was that thing in my head. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be better than the people I'm com- like on the uni. I'm going to be better than people in masters and whatever and people in industry. That was my goal because I was like, that's the only way I get in. Yeah. So if you put those together, hindsight wise, of course, I get a job. But in the situation there, I was still freaking out. I was like, maybe, Like, I remember the first job yeah, I got yeah, yeah. was electric theater. They reached out to me. You remember the one I told you with the animation thing? I didn't apply to them. They reached yes. out to me and I remember I replied yes to the request because they was like, hey guys, we saw, it was, hey, Hamid, we saw your work that I want you to come work for us. I didn't read the rest of it. I replied, yes, I'm available. I'm going to. Then I read the rest. I found out the, the union, uh, sorry, the company in London. Uh, I went to University of Hertfordshire. Who so is Hertfordshire? I didn't even see the pay. Luckily, it was decent pay, but I didn't care about anything. I was just, you are a (laughs) job. I just applied, yes. So, if you think about it, it's more like the collection of everything I kind of had there that made that foot in the door easy. Now that I was sought after, even till today, it's slowed down a bit. But ever since then, a month doesn't go by without me getting a job requested LinkedIn. So, there's always people trying to kind of reach out to me in a way. So, I've kind of made myself kind of a very, very strong portfolio, a very, very strong. Now, portfolio was yeah. when in uni. Now, as an adult, I know portfolio Even portfolio is good for entry. But in terms of if you can stack up a good story about what you can do, so the leverage you can own, right? So, for example, my leverage when I was super strong. Because I've worked in industry. And, you know, I've worked in projects from the underside, from the factory side, as I call it. I've led a giant project now with Iwaju. So I've done that. I've started my own company. So I know the inner workings of running a company within a project in animation and within the African space. Not many people can actually put those three things together. If you collect my experience, which is what the outside world cares about if you're going to evolve higher, my experience is super strong and I keep making that stronger, whereas in the it was more on my portfolio. So that's, that's kind of like the success path, at least from my end, which I think is the best way to approach it.
0: And when did you decide to create In terms Grugali? of
1: starting Kugali, it's one of the things where you know that thing where everywhere you go people are telling you how to achieve your dreams but nobody really tells you what to do after and what happened was my biggest dream at that time was working on a big film and I got to work on a few big films the one I talk about obviously, is Lion King remake because it inspired me and after that after I did that it was you kind of left in a really weird position where you have this huge burst of like happy emotions And then everything kind of just titles off a little bit. So you are super excited. And then after you're excited, everything goes weird. Like you realize the world is still the same. It's a very weird feeling. And from there, I started kind of exploring what my next step is. And I kind of decided, okay, I've I've done my dreams. So now let me try and do something for the world. And at that point, I saw an animation from Lagos. It was Malaika. And what I was trying to do at that time was, I was like, okay, these guys are trying to do something. And I looked at the skill I had, and I noticed that the quality of working from Africa was not the quality that would compete worldwide. And I decided, with the skills I have, let me try and see if I can pull African storytelling as a thing I'm doing for the world, pulling African storytelling to the world scale or world level. So that's kind of like the Kugali ethos of how I yeah. planned started out.
0: And then from that, you you know you started off. You know you said kugali essentially started off as comic books but then you went into the world of art and augmented reality Mm -hmm. how did you get to that that transition and what made you go into that
1: it was one of those things where the stars aligned in a way so augmented reality is because remember i come from the vfx world right so i am quite well versed in animation vfx and the rest now, the great thing about augmented reality and how it was happening right now was it was mostly running on mobile. So Snapchat was like the biggest thing with AR at that time. Uh, Meta joined in TikTok right now. is joined the game as well, right? So in terms of augmented reality things. So like the if you remember the Snapchat dog and all the different Snapchat filters, what people call them right now. And that was the biggest yeah. AR platform. Now, the advantage of it being mobile is it has to be small and run very fast on the mobile phone on, on real time. So it has to be real time and run mm-hmm. quickly. That gives an advantage where if you're a small studio, you can make really good AR experiences because in that, you don't have to build a whole universe. You just have to make something smart enough and fun enough for people to use. And that I kind of explored Mm. the opportunity. I was like, okay, we are small enough. We have the knowledge. I have more knowledge than most people in the game in this area that I've worked in VFX, which is more complicated. And I just taught my team how to do it. Uh, And obviously, then we kind of continued on that path. And... The other bit of it was we're trying to find ways to explore the future of storytelling, uh, mainly because if you notice mm-hmm. with a lot of changes in the world, it tends to happen in the West and then Africa comes two years later. Uh, we wanted to be in the forefront in this one. Yeah. So that's kind of like how we ended up in AR.
0: And then Disney came. How
1: did that? The happen? Disney one was a very funny story. Uh, because we're starting the comic book, but we've not really done a huge comic book yet, right? And the first huge comic book project we took over was. Uh, the, doing the first ever African comic book anthology, and obviously because it's the first ever African comic book mm-hmm. anthology, we kind of caught the attention of a few people, especially the fact that the Kickstarter went well. So we were planning to raise ten thousand. I think we ended up raising about twenty something thousand, so over double of what we were planning to raise for the book. And BBC caught wind of this because it was going a little. It was a semi-viral. It was viral for small people. That's way you call it. Uh, BBC got a hold of this and wanted to kind of do a little BBC stories on us on what we're doing. And then they did the BBC stories. And during that, I remember they recorded us a whole day of interviews. And in their part, one of the things I said was, we're going to kick this ass in Africa. Now, when I did, when I said Mm -hmm. that, I remember in my head thinking that was a bit abrasive. The meaning was there, but the way I said it was a very abrasive way. said I was like, ah, they'll never put that in. And now comes January, February, the title of the whole thing, the title of the actual thing was African comic book company going to kick Disney's ass. And the way that <laughs> came through now, obviously the BBC story goes out, right? And gives us a lot of attention. People are, people are looking at it. And now this is from yeah. Jen Leeside, who is the chief creative officer of Disney. Now she sees this and apparently from her story, uh, actually I'll not spoil her story. I know it's going to be in, there's a documentary we're making, it's going to be inside it. But she sees this and then they reach out to us. I've I've left a gap in between there, which is another funny story. Uh, but she, she gets one of the Disney execs to reach out to us. Now she reached out to us on LinkedIn. And I think she had just made the LinkedIn ac- account because I think she was trying to reach out to us, but you know, it's a lot of noise at that time. You know, when you're getting attention, there's a lot of noise. And then we're not, yeah, we're not, yeah, we're yeah. a small company. We don't have like a lot of like, uh, online appearance, but you can definitely know it's us on LinkedIn just because you can see the experience. You can see it's connected the mm-hmm. company on LinkedIn and everything. Right. So they reach out to us through there. First, we don't believe it's them. And then after, obviously, we believe we just start talking to them. One of the things where the ritual just to talk and see what we we're doing. They already bought some of our books to read some of our stories. We at that time we had a few free comic books online. That's when I started doing the free comics. So they had seen those and then bought the ones they liked. They had the books with themselves. By the time we had the meeting, they had the books in America already, uh, which was wild. Uh, and then from there, we just ended up pitching them the stories, and the rest is history. Yeah. Wow.
0: Since. You know, that that big whirlwind of, you know, them finding out about you and obviously you working on Iwaju. Would you say that your fan base or interest has come mainly from Africa? Or do you think it's more It's more global, global
1: but US has a bigger like if you connect it with Disney specifically, US has a bigger chunk. Although I'll say with the announcement, the people who made the mess the most noise was Nigeria, as you can imagine. Uh <laughs> because yeah. the story takes place in Nigeria, Nigerians are quite uh, the Nigerians tend to be very like they are hard. Let's put it that way. They make sure they, they are hard. So Nigeria was at the top <laughs> of that list in terms of that. So our fan base in terms of general growth, I think uh let's go West Africa, Nigeria had a big boost. Uh other parts of Africa as well, but Nigeria was like a clear leader. He was like not even close. Uh, US tends to be the biggest. And if you think about the comic book industry or animation industry, US dominates a lot of that. And then you go to Japan and the rest with manga, right? So you have manga and you have the US yes. one. So it tends to be those two people are dominating most of it. There's French, but that's more niche at the moment. But that's, that's mm. that's the landscape. So based on the, it, just reflected based on the landscape he was there. But there was an extra thing with the announcement where you could clearly tell Lagos was like absolutely raving about it.
0: In your opinion,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how has the animation industry in Africa changed since you started to where it's it is now? It's grown
1: quite a lot. I'm very happy with the growth. Uh, I was actually that's one of the things I was thinking about. i was super super happy with the growth. Interestingly, I was so happy with the growth. At some point last year, I was think, I was thinking after Iwaju comes out, I was gonna step down for like a quarter, like three months, to try and see because I would have reached the goal I wanted to hit, to see how to reevaluate the goal. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. this year ended up being a bit of a tricky year for the whole industry, so I have to stay in a little bit longer. I don't have I, could, I don't have time to take my three month hiatus as of yet, so I'm gonna be kind of stuck here <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah. but it's reached around the areas I wanted to reach. The infrastructure is still not there. That's the only thing I'm focusing on right now. Uh, that's the thing I'm going to focus on mostly, even if i to take a three-month hiatus, is the infrastructure. I'm kind of doing it slowly, but obviously it's not as much focus, right? Obviously, just more focus on Kugali and trying to close a few other deals, try and get that ball rolling more and just push that envelope more. But I think we definitely hit a huge yeah. crack in the dam with Iwaju's announcement, just the announcement of Iwaju. I would say the first huge crack was Black Panther right which kind of brought in okay. belief for africans for african-based storytelling and showed it could be exciting to a lot of the world most people did not really care until black panther and then from black panther our announcement kind of hit a huge huge hole in that dump especially for people in africa so black panther had kind of portrayed africa but from the western lens but this was like all of us at africa and all of our stories are based from people who live in africa people who are working on this a lot of them worked. a lot of them live in africa as well. So it was from a very different perspective. We kind of opened up okay. that door door. And even there was another project that came in after the Kinsaze motor one as well and all that. So all those multiple things kind of, I'm very happy with where the industry is right now. Obviously, there's a lot of work to do, but I love that it's gotten to a point where there are some projects coming out of Africa right now, which I can be like, oh, yes. Although I still think there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work, but we've made significant progress.
0: In terms of working on future projects and so on and so forth, you touched upon it just when you answered my last question. But um, how much African talent versus global talent or even talent from the diaspora are involved in these projects? And is it something that you consciously try to involve as much as you can into your projects?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Short answer yes, we try and do that as much as possible. Longer answer, because One infrastructure and also the amount of high quality artists in Africa is not quite where we want it to be. That's the bit when I say we have work to do. We have a good amount now, but they're spread out and it's not as much depth as most places in the world. So for example, just UK's animation industry beat the whole of African animation industry. I think if you put it in terms of just people working in the industry. Obviously, you can because of the infrastructure wow. exists in the UK, whereas in Africa, we're trying to build that ourselves at yeah. the moment. So, the projects tend to be one of the things where we pull in as many talent we can from Africa, but we can't really do any large, major ones to the quality I want, at least us. There are some studios which have done some, so Triggerfish will mm. be one. You should look into them, uh, where they've managed to do some feature length stuff, but they still don't get that. There's not enough infrastructure for it to be a world event it tends to be a very local event. So at the moment, African industry is very much, the infrastructure only, only allows for a local event at best, but very few world events. And we're trying to get to the world event level. So if you mm. do it completely with all Africa at the moment, like it's very hard for it to be a world event. I know we're getting there. Hopefully we can hit that. That's one of the goals we have, fun yeah. enough, to hit that.
0: Where would you say the concentration is in terms of, you know, just just talent or events?
1: Uh, talent wise, uh, if I'm using info, I'm going to use the infrastructure as a good kind of predecessor because it kind of, infrastructure, predicts, yeah, it predicts what the next generation is going to be, right? Not just what is here now, but what's coming later. Uh, the top, the ones which are kind of moving the fastest right now, South Africa is a clear lead at the moment with South Africa, just because they have a few studios that can actually produce feature length animations, right? Uh, now distribution and et cetera, different story. Mm. But in terms of the actual production, there's few cities in, in uh, South Africa that can do that. Uh, Lagos, Kenya would be close. There'll be a tie, but those ones would come close second. Uh, Egypt, actually, no, it would be South Africa, then Egypt, then I'll put Lagos and Kenya a close tie. Uganda industry is growing I'm from there, but there's slight bias. I know more about the industry because I'm inside there. And there's a few schools I'm working with from mm. back home from Uganda trying to get their talent kind of up. And obviously it's a tough year in the industry this year. So let's see by the end of next year who is gonna be around. Because that, that's also a factor right now in that this year has been absolutely tough for a lot of industries a lot of industries back home. So let's see by the end of next year what is still there. But I would say South Africa, Egypt, then Kenya, Uganda uh, sorry, Kenya, Nigeria would be a tie in terms of their infrastructure for that and also available talent for that as well. Uh, that, tends how t- that tends to be how it is. Nigeria is growing faster, just generally, I think, mainly because of the music industry is helping out in that area. The problem we're seeing with Nigeria is a lot of the talent tends to leave the country. That's generally all over Africa, but South Africa seems to be the ones who hold on to their talent in, in the country more than the rest of the continent.
0: What kind of talent are you looking for and how do people know that you're looking for
1: them? Because we're small, right? We're a small company doing big things is how I like to describe us. And we're trying to be as strategic as possible. So in terms of how to look for talent, usually there's two steps. If it's an obvious role, we will set out and we send out, hey, we're looking for this thing. We'll post it on social media, LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera, that we're looking for the job. And then we get people who apply and then we kind of hire them based off that, right? So there's that route. But the other route, which is one we tend to do a lot of is because the industry is small and it's very, and we are connected to a lot of it, we know the people personally, so we can just reach out directly to different people. And if a new person is working, is coming, is by the big, new big name, uh, there's somebody who we know who knows that person. So they'll be like, hey, you're looking someone there, this kid who is coming up is really good. And they'll just introduce them to us. So there's a lot yeah. of that, of introduction through different people that happens. Uh, Just because it's really hard to put out like a job advert and get actual applicants from back home in Africa. Just because the infrastructure for that in that area doesn't exist yet. It's There's no, like most people don't trust it just for beginning. Nobody's checking for that. They're checking it Mm -hmm. through like this person, not this person. And that's so we're kind of just fitting in with how the industry works with most persons in sub-Saharan Africa at least.
0: And before I let you go, is there anything else that you would like to let the people know you're working on or just plug anything? Uh,
1: working on a few things. Uh, at the moment, we are planning to go for an investment round. We're actually already doing it. We're talking to a few different people. So if you're a person interested in investing, that's something we are working on right now. Not just Kugali. We're, gonna, we're coming up with a new strategy as well on where we're going to create investment for specific IPs. So keep your eyes out for that. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, Again, this is in lieu of we're trying to break free of needing, what's it called? Needing the, in other words, at the moment, there's no big enough African project that can happen, which comes in where the African people are in full control of it, in a way. There's no worldwide event that can happen without, let's say, the big players, without Disney, Paramount, etc., etc., right now in Africa. And we're trying to beat that and mm. that's why we're raising money on investment and investment based on, uh, on thinking. So, we're kind of gearing our whole strategy next year to kind of base it on that. So, that's coming up. Obviously, Waju is launching next year. It's been pushed, uh, it was supposed to come out this year. I yes. think it got pushed next year because, um, uh, hey, hey, hey. One, I cannot mention the first reason. I will tell you guys in the documentary. Uh, <laughs> the second one is obviously Disney's had a hell of a year this year. So, I'm sure a lot of that restructuring kind of affected us a little bit as well uh so that's coming out next year which is great uh we have we still have a few books in the works uh which are coming through so things are still moving but it's just it's been a what's the word been a slightly slower year than our previous years this year we still have a few success and announcements but nowhere close to the years before this one
0: well i wish you the best of luck in 2024 and i'm sure it's not only me, but a lot of people are waiting for it you. So we're very excited. And um, yeah, thank you for taking time out today to speak yeah, with me. Yeah, thank
1: you for having me. Yeah, looking forward to twenty twenty four And good luck to you as well, 2024. Seems crazy. It's already here, but hey, time flies now.
0: So what did I take away from today's conversation? Hearing Hamid's journey, it has definitely cemented my thinking that Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. If you are ready to lose it all and will stop at nothing to get to your destination, then there's only one way you can go, up. Whether you're a voice talent, animator, sound designer, or any form of creative trying to get into the industry, a portfolio means everything. It's all good having qualifications and learning the fundamentals, but unless you can show it in context, or in the real world, it doesn't mean anything. What I'm trying to say is, is that you don't need the world to get started. Just an idea and of course, talent. Once you show your talent and what you can do, work makes work. The more you work with people, the more they know how you work and could trust you will do the job. And finally, infrastructure. This is at the crux of any industry and without it, It does not exist. This is growing in Africa, and with continued work from the likes of Kugali, it will only continue to grow. The future looks bright. Thank you Hamid for taking time out to speak to me. I learned a lot, and I'm sure this is motivating many from the continent of Africa and the diaspora around the globe to carry on their hard work and reach their goals. Make sure you keep an eye out for Kagali's debut animation with Disney, Iwaju, coming to you in 2024. And we are done with another episode once again. Make sure you're following the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And I'm gone. Bye-bye.